2: Life is a highway,
1: and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
0: Olive is celebrating its 20th birthday this year, so to mark the occasion, we're re-releasing 20 of our favourite podcast episodes over the next month. Listen again to some old favourites or discover hidden gems you might have missed as we dive deep into the back catalogue and don't forget there are more than 400 podcast episodes of the archive just head to olivemagazine.com to find out more in this episode author of the garden apothecary christine iverson tells us how easy it is to make your own natural remedies at home using garden foraged and store cupboard ingredients Okay, so this week I'm delighted to welcome Christine Iverson, who's the author of two books exploring natural remedies, The Hedgerow Apothecary and The Garden Apothecary. Thank you so much for coming to chat to us today, Christine. Hello, Janine. Nice to be here. Um, I just thought I'd start um, by asking you how you how you started making your own remedies or a little bit about that journey. I think it probably
2: all started when I was a child, to be honest, because I lived in a household where we did make things. My dad used to brew his own wine and beer and we made ginger beer and we did a lot of baking and making. And and as I got older, I sort of always did it, always did do some baking and jam making and preserving. Um, Then, 20 years ago we moved here to a little village in the bottom of the south downs and i noticed all this all this wonderful fruit and things hanging from the trees and i thought there must be something i can do with that started to do a little bit of research
0: and and found out you could do wonderful things with it and it was all free <laughs> And what kind of like reference books did you use at that point because obviously that was pre pre-google times I'm imagining
2: um gosh let me think 20 years ago was it really <laughs> yeah it <Yeah>. probably <laughs> was actually probably was um I think I did a lot of searching through the local libraries really and there's some lovely foraging books around that you can find. Um, it was the elder that really caught my eye. I hadn't noticed. The elder tree before we all knew about elderflower making elderflower cordial but i noticed in the autumn they you got these wonderful red berries and i thought what can we do with that i found you could make fantastic cordial with the berries that you could have hot In the in the winter, and it was really good for coughs and colds. And also, the elder tree has got such fabulous folklore to do with it. It's the witch's tree. Quite honestly, the witch lives in the elder tree, so you should always ask permission from her before you pick anything from the elder tree.
0: You must ask permission. Okay, I'll I'll remember that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's quite fascinating, isn't it? Because the history and tradition of herbalists herbalists and apothecaries is is really, really long, isn't it? It goes back Mm. to ancient times. Can you tell us a bit about that? Absolutely. I mean, I know things have been found in in Celtic
2: tombs. There's, There's been all sorts of things found. But really, my interest was perhaps in the medieval times when you'd have a wise woman or a cunning man that lived in every village and they would have the knowledge which would have been passed down from father to son, mother to daughter, and they'd know a little bit about hairs, about herbs and spices and things and what you could cure with them. They they did know how to do things and they would trade. People would come to them with an ailment and they'd trade. They'd give them a dozen eggs and they'd make them
0: up a potion or, or cast a spell because a little bit of sort of witchcraft going on as well. Mm. And and just to you know emphasize that we're not saying that there's anything in these books that's going to cure, you know, it's it's not it's not replacing a doctor. It's actually very quite gentle remedies, oh, you know, for like skin and hair and yeah. maybe a sore throat. Yeah. It's like it's not it's not a replacement for actually if you need to seek medical advice.
2: No, 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 no. I mean,
0: all the remedies are very simple and
2: it's like, say, if you've got some sore skin or you can't sleep very well, it's that kind of thing. I wouldn't recommend you do anything, you know, to replace your doctor. Always see your doctor if you're worried.
0: Yeah. Do you think it's... um that during lockdown people started getting a little bit more involved in that DIY that whole DIY thing and kind of you know making things themselves and have you seen more interest in the sort of things that you do? I think definitely I mean I wrote The Hedgerow Apothecary was my first book
2: which was in 2019 because it was the hedgerows that I was particularly interested in um And there was a bit of an upsurge then. I did notice people were quite interested in what I was doing and wanting to, you know, I did a few workshops and they were very well attended. My intention was never to write a book. I literally wrote for my local parish magazine um, every month, just a recipe or a remedy from the hedgerows local to me. Um, It was by pure accident that I managed to get a publishing deal, but it was fantastic really (laughs) but certainly with lockdown I started to go into the garden a lot more rather than being out into the in the hedgerows and it made me look in the garden what can I use out here the first thing I found was calendula because I wanted something to make a a really lovely hand cream for my nieces who were both nurses All they could get was something um, that was full of petroleum jelly or had chemicals Mm. in it. They wanted something that was lovely and natural. So I toddled out in the garden to see what I could find and found that calendula is incredibly soothing for the skin and whipped up a bunch, batch of balm for them,
0: which made me think, oh, what else can I use? <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Um, let's talk about some of the ingredients that you can use in natural remedies. So you mentioned calendula. Is that is that a wild thing, or is that just something that you grow? That's something some... you would you would
2: grow in, in your garden. It grows really, really easily. You know, if you've got mm. a calendula plant, it will spread everywhere. It's very recognisable. It's also known as pot marigold because it was... It's edible, so it was put into the into food in medieval times as well. It's I mean it's a bright orange flower. It's very recognizable. It's very
0: safe. You can eat it, but it's very good for your skin as well. There's so many things that you mention in the book which actually have got that double um double thing of you can you can put it on your skin and you can eat it. Um a couple of the herbs that you talk about, which are really common, uh thyme and sage, I'm quite interested in. Because I didn't realise that um thyme is is both antiseptic and antibiotic and actually mm. manufacturers of, of bigger things use it in in you know the kind of mass market creams as well don't That's they right. i didn't realize that. yeah
2: and it's actually used in in mouthwash and hand sanitizer acne medication but it's a nice it's a nice natural antiseptic so you can infuse it into honey if you wanted to sort of sit it into some lovely raw honey for a little while and then you'd get the benefits of that if you had a sore throat but it's also great using it for cooking yeah so you get the benefits
0: when you put it in your cooking as well yeah, And tell us a bit about sage, because that's got some interesting properties as well, <laughs> hasn't it? Well, <laughs> sage has been used for
2: years for um, banishing negative energies um, in houses. You hear people going smudging all the corners of their houses with sage to get rid of the negative energies. But it's also um, got quite a lot of other properties, which I can't remember off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But I think you had in in your book there's a few um there's a few remedies where you would use it as, as like toothpaste and for your mouth for like mm, it's, calming. Very, it's very healing for your gums and
2: antiseptic yeah. although it's quite a strong taste so I think you've got to be yeah. you've got to be quite keen on sage for that sort of thing but I certainly knew that um that uh, that travelers and gypsies with the lovely dark hair apparently would make a a rinse using sage and it would keep their
0: hair nice and black and shiny mm. so it's a good one if you've got dark hair I love it like a lot of these um herbs and and flowers kind of do that thing of you can drink it you can put it on your skin you can rinse your hair with it you can make it's just that like catch all stuff isn't it that's what's so great about it yeah that's that's what's so interesting there's so much you can
2: do and I don't think people people realize and that's why I'd like to get get them
0: out there and get them making things just
2: from their back gardens
0: another one I'm quite I'm quite fascinated by as a low because I've seen a low plants sold mm. and they look like I mean they are it is a succulent isn't it it is yeah and um and I was reading in your book how you prepare it can you describe that because it's, it's a bit mad but <laughs> <laughs> well
2: if you sort of think about what an aloe plant looks like it's quite long and it's got long spiky leaves but they're quite yeah. chunky aren't they and they're, they're full yeah. of aloe vera gel so you can peel them almost not like a banana, but you need use a knife to peel away and you'll get this clear blob of gel in the middle, which you can just zizz up in a food processor or mash it and it will go down to quite a thick liquid. And that's really lovely um, if you get sunburn, aloe on your your sunburn. I wouldn't recommend you get sunburn, obviously, (laughs) but if you mix aloe with a little bit of coconut oil, because that's lovely and moisturizing Mm. and some lavender oil, if you've got some of that hanging about a lot of people have got a little bit of lavender essential oil in their kitchens nowadays and that makes a beautiful after sun kind of treatment but if you do get badly burned please see a doctor or a pharmacist and and get some proper treatment for it this is only for anything mild yes for your mild sort of just Mm. catching the sun and it
1: this episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com it's easy to find your new vibe And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss. The lore in the making. Luckily, Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart food, add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com.
0: Can I literally do that with just an aloe plant that I would buy Mm. in the garden center? Mm, Yeah. The only
2: thing, yeah, the only thing I would say was. uh, Obviously, so many plants in the garden centre are brought on and they do use pesticides. And I I would always try and find one that maybe a friend's grown because aloe vera plants do readily have little babies and you can get yourself a little plant from a friend (laughs) and you know that it's not been treated with anything that's nasty. I'd always say if you can either grow it yourself or get it
0: from a, a source that you know hasn't used pesticides, that's got to be the best thing to do. And once you've taken a, the little leaf off and peeled it, will, will, will it heal? Will it like something grow in its place? Or I think um, it'll regrow. regrow. Yeah, you, it'll just keep going, keep shooting oh, out. These. Like. Yeah, they're clever, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. love all of that. <laughs> Stick around for more expert advice on natural remedies from Christine. Yeah. Another, another, another really common one, which I don't particularly want to go and pick is, um, is the nettle. Cause obviously, you know, I've had bad run-ins with nettles. My little dog <laughs> likes to wee on them and got spiked oh, the other week so oh, so yeah um, what what sort of properties do nettles have well the first thing i'm going to say is if you're going to go and harvest
2: nettles go somewhere where dogs are not dogs. going to wee on them really i'm
0: not, not sure, want sure you want to do, do it that. again uh,
2: yeah you don't we don't want that and and go somewhere where again there's no pesticides being sprayed and and things like that and it's such a recognizable plant i think we, we all know what a nettle looks like don't we and that's Mm-hmm. a big part of writing these books is that I want it to be accessible to people. I'm not going to use plants that you've never heard of. You've got no clue what they look look like. I want people to be confident in going out and picking. And nettle is, is an obvious one. And apart from making a fantastic cake, nettle cake, Ooh. which is in the Garden Apothecary book, which is really A showstopper because you cover it in your white icing and it's only when it's cut open you see this bright green cake in the middle and it's really lovely really really lovely but I mean nettles are historically a a cure for hay fever so nettle tea maybe mixed with chamomile is a a good cure for hay fever because it contains natural antihistamines and there was an old folktale that I read that if you had bad hay fever, you should strip naked and roll around in a patch of nettles, which <laughs> obviously in the privacy of your own garden.
0: Is that just going to distract you with the pain of rolling the nettles <laughs> and getting stung over and over again? Well, quite possibly. I mean, what, what do you, would you normally wear like rubber gloves to, to I mean, yeah. how, do I, how do I avoid the sting basically? Yeah, rubber gloves if you've got them. And we're only looking at the the tender
2: sort of top four leaves they're the best ones to get because they're the newest and the freshest and the tenderest so you just pick the top four leaves put them into a carrier bag as soon as you start to
0: process them or put them in hot water or cook with them the sting goes so it's dead dead easy I remember when I was little my mum giving me um, a dock leaf Mm. to to rub on nettles because that takes the sting away doesn't it and they always grow together which I think a lot of a lot of those things do, you know. That's there's, right. there's something, and then there's an antidote for it, which grows quite close. Mm. It's really and that's a great one, which we have kept, you know, all from our childhoods. You know,
2: that's one that we all know. But so many of the cures have been have been lost, which is a shame because they were never really written down. It was all verbal. Because so yeah. a lot of times, these the people using them couldn't read or write, so yeah.
0: unless they passed down their knowledge, it was lost. And then when we're using stuff like from the store cupboard it, alongside it, I know you've mentioned in the book a few times, um, there's raw honey and apple cider mm-hmm. vinegar. And they're both particular, aren't they? Because they're kind of like, it's the it's the unpasteurized version of, of whatever that product might yeah. you might find on the supermarket shelf. Why yeah. is it important to get that kind of... Well, the raw honey
2: particularly hasn't been pasteurized. It hasn't been heated above 40 degrees. And that means it still retains all the wonderful sort of things that are in in it which can heal you a bit like manuka honey which has got wonderful healing properties in it the only thing i would say is you should never give raw honey to to very small babies it's not good for them there's a possibility it could make them poorly um if you can get your honey from a local beekeeper that's even better i'm trying to find a local producer which is also supposed to be good for your hay fever
0: if you have hay fever raw honey is supposed to be very good for it yeah especially if that if, if it's local and they're getting the same pollen that's affecting your mm. hay fever it's meant to be a good cure isn't it mm, and apple right. cider vinegar is something that's gone I mean you've got a um, you've actually got a recipe for it in your book that's gone mad the past few years oh, like people yeah. are raving about it for everything yeah
2: yeah I think I mean that started off with the Americans they they yeah. go mad for it over there they use it for absolutely everything and it's so easy to make it literally is just some fallen apples Um I've got apples falling at the minute from a big tree in my garden I'm literally picking up the windfalls and and using them put them into some water with some sugar and let them ferment and you get apple cider vinegar within the space of about eight weeks That's
0: amazing for free (laughs) it's so easy (laughs) and it's so expensive you know yeah it's about eight quid a bottle I think the last one that I bought (laughs) for a little (laughs) bottle (laughs) might just go out looking for some apples later definitely Um,
2: any windfalls quite often I don't know if it's Rural at all where you live, but we
0: often have people leaving boxes of fruit outside do the door. You can just pick up. <laughs> oh, nice no, sounds idyllic. Maybe, maybe <laughs> not where I might be a bit too urban where I am. But I can keep an eye out. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about the sort of equi- do we need specialist equipment? i you just talking about using similar stuff that you would use for cooking and in, in the mm. kitchen i don't really have any specialist equipment
2: to be honest you know i've got a few big jam pans for when i'm doing preserving and things i like to use a big pan you just need your basic sauce pans and jars um if you haven't got something like a nice muslin cloth for for sieving everything through just use a nice clean cotton tea towel so mm. there's nothing really you need to go out and buy and think oh this is going to cost me a fortune to make all yeah. these things um further on if you want to take it a little bit further and you want to make the lotions and the balms then you you know you maybe will have to source some beeswax from somewhere again if you've got a local if you've got a local beekeeper then you can probably manage to snaffle
0: a little bit of his beeswax as well but you you know it depends how deep you want to go into it really yeah Yeah. and what about sort of preparing things so like preparation techniques of herbs and flowers Mm -hmm. Um, I think you mentioned that you have to have a little bit of patience and dry them out a little bit before you, why is it important to do that? You do, I mean it's
2: really important to dry your, your herbs and flowers if you're going to infuse them into oil If there's any liquid left in them, it could turn your oil rancid and you don't want to be using rancid oil. I mean, sometimes you can just wilt things. If you're going to make your oil straight away, just literally leave them for a couple of nights on a a drying rack, dry them out a little bit and use them. But I like to, especially this time of year, I'm gathering calendula every single day. um, And I just have, bit of wood with some chicken wire on the top and I've got all the calendula flowers sitting on there in different stages of of being dried and then once they're nice and dry and crisp I can keep them in a jar and they'll be good for all year round so if you just want to use them straight away you just need to wilt them a little bit but if you want to store them they've got to be completely
0: dry. So you've got a whole chapter on carrier oils in your uh, few Mm -hmm. pages at least in um, carrier oils in your book so the carrier oil is is basically the oil that you then infuse your dried herbs or your dried flowers into. Yeah. Um, and the oils in themselves are are important, aren't they? We're not just going out and getting like veg oil from well, <laughs> the know local shop. You could. Oh, you could. Okay. You could.
2: You know, if you wanted to, you could use olive oil, sunflower oil, if you want to. Lots of the different oils have got different properties depending on what you use them for, you know, whether Mm -hmm. you've got oily skin or dry skin or whatever. Um, You've got to be a bit careful with something like almond oil, which is a good all-rounder. But if you've got a nut allergy, you shouldn't be using, you know. I mean, you've got to take a little bit of care of your own um, health, should we say? Yeah, you know, you yeah. need to, you need to do a little bit of research and think. Well, I've got a nut allergy. I better not use almond oil. What could I possibly use? And you maybe would
0: use grapeseed oil or sunflower yeah. oil or something like that. So just take yeah, a just, bit of care. I'm just looking because some of them, you know, like um, for example, avocado oils got anti-inflammatory, mm. soothing, hydrating properties. So you've got you've got a really nice list of the oils and what else they 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 bring to the party basically, so it's quite nice if you are going away from just a plain oil to experiment with them because then you'll get all that extra stuff in mm. there as well mm. tell tell me about um sun infusing because I found that really fascinating oh I love sun infusing I mean I you can't see in my kitchen at
2: the really but it's a very old technique and you really are putting say your calendula flowers into your oil and I cover them with a muslin because if there is any moisture we want the moisture to be driven away and then it'll sit on a sunny windowsill um, and all the good properties from those flowers will infuse into the oil and especially with calendula it turns the oil a beautiful golden orange color and it's lovely but the British weather being as it is, you can't guarantee you're going to be able to do that. So you can do it by using a ban marie and put your oil in your flowers right. and very, very gently. You've got to be gentle. We don't want any fried flowers. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which I have done once or twice. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, you couldn't get further away from the idea of, you know, cooking up lotions and potions in a laboratory. This is kind of like oh, really okay. gentle, lovely, kind of considered um, using the plant exactly as it should be mm. and being really gentle with it as well isn't it especially if you're growing it yourself because you know yeah. I sort of think in the spring I think right what do
2: I want lots of this year and this year I did want lots of calendula so I've planted lots of calendula but then it's waiting for it to flower and then mm. drying it out so we're talking months and months um not just going in and taking something off the shelf which has been produced in a laboratory and that's I love it that way I you know yeah. giving it as presence to people is so lovely because I know that I've put so much time and effort into it
0: yeah what well, um if people wanted to get started on their natural remedies journey what what are maybe a couple of things you would suggest that they could do it takes a while to get confidence I think right. um you
2: really want to get yourself a good field guide and know what your flowers are always be a hundred percent certain of what you're picking because it's quite important some things mimic other things start with something really recognizable um, blackberries everybody knows what blackberries are like and and you can make a really lovely uh, blackberry vinegar um, using white wine vinegar blackberries and a bit of sugar Uh, and that's just fantastic! It's lovely for sore throats. You can gargle with it. It's full of vitamin C. It's a great one for sore throats, but it's fantastic salad dressing as well. So, <laughs> I yeah, it. I love it. Multitasking, yeah. <laughs> and it comes out a great colour as you're, you know, letting it because so you, you've got let. The Black currants, the blackberries sit there for a little while in the vinegar, and it just gradually yeah. turns your vinegar this beautiful dark red so that you know it's ready. And then you just warm it through with a bit of sugar, and, and you're done. And that's a nice, simple one. And everybody knows what blackberries look like, I yeah, hope. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, they do. But yeah, stick to something simple. Get your confidence up because yeah. you know, you may you may look at some of these recipes and think, oh gosh, I need I need beeswax for
0: that and I need this mm. for that. But start simple.
2: Yeah, start I think that's really what's lovely. I
0: think what's lovely about the book actually is I've been through it a few times and I'm keep finding more and more things. And actually, you know, you say that there's stuff that's complicated, but there's also stuff which is incredibly simple and mm-hmm. it's kind of, you know, um, makes perfect sense as well. So I think it's a great place for people to start. Um thank you so much for coming to chat to us today, um, Christine. And if people want to buy your book, it's called The Garden Apothecary and it's available now to buy it in is. shops online. So go get it. Um we're going to on the bonus episode talk about a recipe from the book and we'll put that online along with a link to buy it as well so people can go and find it. But thank you so much for chatting to us today. Thank you. It's been fun. <laughs> That was the Olive Magazine podcast. For more information on things we talked about in this episode and to check out our back catalogue of over 200 episodes head to olivemagazine.com and do listen out for our weekly bonus episode where Christine is sharing one of her favourite homemade remedies and explaining how to make it with perfect results every time.